Okay, good morning, good morning. I was too excited to get to get with the program, the podcast today, which is the close of emotional intelligence. So I was getting it ready this morning, my friend Melanie Miller. And I said, you know, I've got 40 years experience in this business, right? And you need to be emotionally intelligent to survive in a multi-level marketing business for 40 years, right? Okay, so I was looking at this and I said, Emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence, it's about kindness, no? It's about how we respond to things. Yes or yes? Dorothy, Dorothy, I'm watching you. Yes or yes? Of course it is. So I go get a few notes. I said, how we respond to our challenges. Yesterday, I covered um, when Julie found out that she had cancer stage three, um, level three, and she had both her, her breasts removed. How many people, Melanie? lost their shit when that happens. Oh, why me? You know, right? Okay. Versus emotionally intelligent people accept it and say, well, if this is happening to me, it's probably for a good reason. You see the difference? And then I was, I was digging. So how we interact with others, um, um, that, you know, that, that, that response, yes, it's all about self-awareness. But remember when we talked about Stephen Covey, when he says self-awareness has not been given to the animal kingdom. It's something that's been given only to the human, to the humans, right? Our ability to pull ourselves out of our body, go up there in the little corner and look at ourselves and say, what are you doing? And Melanie, as Daniel put it, I went and get something from Daniel. What really matters for success is who wants to be successful? Because at the end of the day, we want to leave our mark on this world. Character, that's your moral values, right? Happiness, what does that mean? Gratitude, your ability, Manik, to be able to be grateful for that coffee this morning, you know, for that bed you slept in, okay? Those clothes you put on your, on your body. These are people that will be emotionally intelligent, your ability to be happy because you have gratitude for everything and a lifelong of achievement. Do you know that emotionally intelligent people are successful? You have to be successful. You have to be achieving because it is impossible to stay emotionally intelligent if you don't feel you are contributing. Does everybody else get me here or is it just my brain here? Everybody get me here? It's part of the human being having to leave this world a better place to live. So the skills to develop emotional intelligence, you will do it. It's the ability to recognize and manage these emotions. So I'm going to leave it off to Melanie Miller and Marie-Pierre that are going to complete the technical side of Daniel with examples. And then I'm going to come back and give you 
une révélation, a revelation. My God, I feel like a preacher. Okay, take it away, Marie-Pierre. You don't have to buy with us to, to sing. C'est la révélation. <laughs> you always sing this. Okay. So, the third domain that we wanted to cover in the emotional intelligence is social awareness. So, yes, it's the third step in developing emotional intelligence. Intelligence, so social awareness, is a skill that we all must work to build within ourselves. So, Uh, it means having an awareness and an understanding of the world around us. Example, su super simple, the waiter who suggests something better from the menu, the salesperson who goes the extra mile, the supportive team leader, and the executive that remembers your name. Simple as that is social awareness. So the social awareness is the ability to accurately notice the emotion of other and read situation appropriately. It is about sensing what other people are thinking and feeling to be able to take their perspective using your capacity for empathy. So the easiest way to understand social awareness is by one simple word, consideration. It all boils down to taking a second to consider how our thought, emotion, and action impact other. So This is a large aspect of the external, external self-awareness that we covered yesterday, which is why the two skills are often intertwined. So consideration is a much simpler way of thinking about social awareness because um, since we were a kid, we always hear the phrase, be considerate to, uh, of others. So this refers to how our action impacted those around us and it, if If I say something hurtful, how will it make the other person feel? So if I act without thinking, could it be possibly harm someone else? Or on a more, more positive note, how can I be the most uh, service and benefit to other people? So there are two skills that you want to understand, two abilities in uh, social awareness. First, it's empathy. Empathy is a large component of effective social awareness. Simply by focusing on being more empathetic, your social awareness will grow and become much stronger. And the second one is organizational awareness. It's the ability to read a group emotional current and power relationship, identifying influencer, network, and the dynamic that matter in the decision making. So how can we really build social awareness? So in three steps, first, become a better listener. So if you want to improve uh, your social awareness, it's one of the easiest way it's to become a better listener. So what we must do is listen to understand. I think we covered that in the seven habits of highly effective people. <laughs> so if you weren't with us in the past when we covered this, Go back in the podcast and go listen to the seven habits of highly effective people. It was really something uh, uh, really simple to understand how to become a better listener. The second way is to pay attention to body language. So we can tell a lot by the way a person presents themselves. So while you're speaking to someone or while they are talking, pay attention to their body language. Do they look tense or uncomfortable? Are they showing signs that you're making them uncomfortable or angry? By simply noticing the other person's body language, you can gain a better understanding of how they are feeling in that moment. And the third one is put yourself in their shoes. 
So it can be quite difficult to actually put ourselves in the shoes of others, especially if we are in conflict with them. But in order to gain a complete understanding of their opinion and belief, it's a vital tool to use. So all you have to do is to think to yourself, how would I feel if I was this person? Would what uh, would <laughs> would I uh, what am I saying or am how am I, I think be upsetting or hurtful to that person? So it gives you an idea. So that's the three way to build social awareness. But I know that Melanie <laughs> prepare for us an example to really understand the social awareness. Okay, so thank you very much, uh, Marie-Pierre. And uh, every time I uh, listen to Marie-Pierre's um, um, descriptions and things, it makes me think of other things. And, and I love that. Uh, same with Maria. She mentioned something this morning that triggered something else in my mind. I should just come in the mornings, listen to you guys, and then tell you stories. So, um, yeah, social awareness is being aware of your surroundings, the people who are in it, how they're interacting, and, um, and thus be able to better communicate. So it's about having empathy, not sympathy. And that's a, like a really big difference. Empathy is being able to put yourself in their shoes. Sympathy is, oh, the never mind, right? But sympathy is not something that uh, works very well in a, in a work environment because uh, you, need to be, um, you need to be a leader. You need to be able to understand. And, of course, we go back to Stephen Covey's Seek First to Understand and then be understood. And this is where empathy comes in. So I looked up social awareness on um, the internet and I, I said, um, what about social awareness in children's books? Um, because it's amazing. Like if you look up uh, something that's an adult thing and then say, how are they reflecting that in children? And uh, I was fascinated by a book that I, I couldn't read it, obviously, because I didn't have it, but I read reviews and things on it. And it was called Windows. And what this book was, was uh, telling the story of how um, John would go out in the evenings taking his dog for a walk, but how he would look inside people's windows and, uh, you know, try and imagine what was going on in the houses. And I thought, well, that is like a really it's a very simple way of being social aware, socially aware. Like, look at around you, what is happening to those people? And it reminded me of uh, when Alan and I, we first met, and we used to go to this little pizzeria at the bottom of the street where Alan lived. And our favorite pastime was to look at other people and say, what is the relationship between those people? Like, are they brother and sister? Are they? And you can actually, I mean, I don't know if we were right or not, because we never asked the people, but it's a way of being socially aware. And, you know, the, I, I always remember that the, um, the most difficult ones were the threesomes, like trying to work out who was related, who was related to two, but just, I guess we've always been fascinated about what is going on around you. And uh, when Maria was uh, talking this morning um, and she was mentioning Julie 
And it took me back to when I used to take Hannah, my daughter, to uh, the children's hospital. And um, Hannah has lupus. And uh, certain times in her life, she has been really quite sick with it. And we used to have to go to the hospital once a week to get chemo even to get one of the situations that she had under control. And I remember walking through the hospital with Hannah and, and she looked up to me and she says, mom, she says, no, some of these kids, she says, I'm so glad I'm me. She says, some of these kids, they're really sick. And, you know, it, it sort of like made me realize that it doesn't matter how old you are, you can empathize with other people. You can empathize with the fact that you are grateful for what you have and understand that other people have um, better situations because actually at that time, Hannah was really sick too, but she was able to see beyond herself and be socially aware of what was going on around her. And of course, you know, being a better listener, being able to um, look at people's body language and especially putting yourself in other people's shoes, that is where you find true empathy. So that is my little contribution on social awareness this morning. Thank you, Melanie. So now we go with the fourth one, the last one, that is relationship management. So it's the ability to take one's own emotion, the emotion of others, and the context to manage social interaction successfully. So one thing you can be sure of it of is that if you're going to manage relationship effectively, you will need to use self-awareness, self-regulation, and social awareness to understand what's going on and how it's affecting you. So you see effective uh, management of relationship relies on all the abilities of the three domains of emotional intelligence. So this domain pulls together the other three dimensions and create the final product relation, relationship management. So often if we want if we have the other three dimension figure out this will flow more naturally so this can be known as the friendliness with the first person or getting desired response when working with others so this can be very depending on the situation and this is why this dimension actually has five competencies five abilities that fall under it that all to do uh, with relationships so the first one is influence that means it's referred to the ability to have a positive impact on other and meaningfully engage people in order to get buy-in or gain their support. Number two, it's coach. It's the ability to further the learning or development of other by understanding their goals, challenging them, giving them a timely feedback and offering them support. Number three is inspire. So it's the ability to bring your best and motivate others around a shared mission or purpose in order to get the job done. The fourth one is teamwork. So it's the ability to work with others towards a shared goal, build spirit and positive relationship, encourage active participation and share responsibility and reward among, among members of a group. And the fifth one is the conflict management. 
So it's the ability to work through tense or highly charged situation by tactfully bringing disagreement into the open, seeking to understand multiple perspectives and searching for common ground in order to find solutions people can agree to. So yes, when we see that, perfect, but how can we do it? How can we build this relationship management? So I found seven tips for building relationship management. So number one, it's build a culture of listening. So giving someone your full attention, minimizing distraction and reflecting it thoughtfully can reassure others of your sincerity. Number two, learn to recognize emotion in others. So being able to recognize and address emotion both in yourself and in others will allow you to uh, experience empathy and thus connect more fully with others. Number three is set clear expectation. So identifying and clarifying roles and responsibility early is important in terms of the behavior and culture of an interdisciplinary team. Number four, ask questions. So using questioning as a communication or coaching style allow others to be more solution focused and question can also encourage a culture of exploration. Number five is develop a shared values. So when working as part of a group or team, developing a set of agreed, uh, of agreed upon value provides a common bound among the team member. Number six is be a leader. So providing the clarity, acting objectively and understanding your own leadership style will help to create a positive work environment. And number seven is use praises. So the ability to provide authentic feedback is the key component and component of a good leadership. And I have an exercise for you that I will drop on the group Limiliana de Diana Inspirational Group on Facebook. So it's really to um, it's a relationship management skill worksheet that you can uh, do. It's four exercises. So I will drop this document to really take the time to analyze each of the questions and take the time to analyze where you are now in the relationship management and where you want to be. So to understand more, yes, we have Melanie with some example of the relationship management. So um, as, as a leader or a, as a person in your family, you want to get the best out of people. Basically, that's what your relationship management is uh, leading you to do. And uh, you have to be able to be a leader of change. Um, and I would say that um, our own leader, Maria, provided us with a, an excellent example of how to be a leader of change in an environment where maybe there could have been hysteria and uh, basically being able to um, guide your people by uh, coaching them beforehand of something that's going to happen so that when it eventually does happen instead of people being very um, uh, upset and angry that actually they take the information and say well that wasn't so bad and so uh, we have
have, you know, we have uh, many situations where Maria has been able to lead us in this way to uh, take us through a potential disaster area and actually um, everybody comes out feeling quite okay. So that is one thing that I admire a lot in Maria. But I don't know about the rest of you, but when I read this section, there's one word that kept screaming at me. And the word was synergy. This is all about synergy. This is not anything new, guys. This is Stephen Covey. This is exactly what uh, Stephen Covey uh, teaches, that synergy is getting the best out. Loved this, um, and uh, I what I was thinking about was um, we recently in our MLM have changed the way we do things at one of our uh, weekly rallies. And um, at our weekly rallies, what we used to do was at the end we would get together with our teams, and then we would go through a fixed PowerPoint, and we would tell people things, and then they could absorb it or not. But by that time, most of those were not absorbing it because they were just wanting to get out of there or get the raffle over or whatever. So now, now it's a whole different ball game because on Friday nights, after we have done our uh, regular training meeting, we get together with our teams, but we do exactly this. As a leader, we are listening to our people. We are encouraging our people. We are guiding our people. And the only way a synergy meeting will work is you, if you have beforehand thought of questions to ask which will get your people talking and uh, what happens uh, during these meetings is often I go I start them with a whole list of questions I get them to be involved um, and then I go through the ones where I'm actually trying to get them to contribute now if I feel that it's not going the way I want I throw in another easy question and then you know the things get going again and so this uh this process of relationship um management is synergy that is what it's all about and uh, i was so excited as i was reading it because everything that we've been talking about social awareness self-management uh self-awareness all of those things go to make the sum of synergy so the four S's, that's what I'm going to call them. So, um, Maria, that is uh, what I had to say for this morning. I, I'm just so excited, Melanie. Melanie, I'm just so excited. And I was looking at this, and in, at the end of the day, it boils down to this. Having right now passionate goals with a long-term vision, okay, helps you to stay within your circle of influence. Like, honestly, and when you stay within your circle of influence and you're not overtaken by COVID and then the Ukrainian war and God knows what's going to happen afterwards, uh, you're swept away by these problems. You get anxiety, you get stressed out, you behave in the wrong way because you're not leading your life. You're not in the right now passionate goals with a long-term vision. Right now, passionate goals with a long-term vision. So I have the vision board. I have my list of 100 goals, my end in mind. But more importantly, a right now passionate goal keeps me focused on what matters. I, I, I feel for the Ukrainian people. I'm not 
downplaying it at all, but to be inundated in that news morning, afternoon, and night, does, don't we become sensationalists? Like, I mean, why are you listening to the misery of others unless you're planning to go help them out? Circle of influence. Don't stay within the circle of, of concern. Emotion intelligence, right now, passionate goals with a long-term vision gives us a high level of emotional intelligence to empathize with others, absolutely, but driving them still to be to their better selves. I have Rosalie that just shared she's going through cancer um, treatments right now, chemotherapy treatments. And yes, we empathize. I'm thinking about Julie Shaib, but yet she needed to make an income for her family, right? Uh, it allows me to want to communicate effectively because without a, a right now passionate goal with a long-term vision, because I said it before, achievement, a lifelong of the lifetime of achievement helps us to be emotionally intelligent. It doesn't happen. Right now, goals, passionate goals with long-term vision helps me to adapt. Why do I adapt, Melanie Miller and Marie-Pierre? Because I have $280 million and a thousand millionaires to build. If I don't adapt, I get squashed. You have to adapt. I have no choice. So it allows me to be more emotionally intelligent because of the big vision. It's, it's the component right now, passionate goals with a long-term vision is the essence of emotional intelligence. Now, you're going to ask me right now, where do I start? Well, next Thursday and Friday, we're going to begin with the why. It starts with the why. For me, everything began back in 1989 when I had $85,000 cash in 89 to put on a house and I still needed a man's signature for my mortgage. And that day, my why was born. I said, I can't believe it that we're not in the 18th century and still as a woman, I need a man to sign my mortgage. And then the final straw was when Tupperware offered me a franchise and one of the criterias, Monique, was I needed to be married and my husband in the business who never sold Tupperware for me to have a franchise. And now, Dorothy, I was on a mission. Because you see, more powerful than a why is a mission that we're ready to die for. Think of Martin Luther King. You know, like I always, I always say when I come back in another life, if that exists, I want to have a mission big enough that I'm willing to, to die for, right? I'm not willing to die for Tupperware, by the way. I love my company, but not willing to die. And, and, and this is where it was born. So be with us next week. The why. Who wants to be emotionally intelligent all the time? When the why is clear, it brings you to have long-term vision with right now passionate goals, and you will never lose your shit again. No, but is, am, am I not poetic with the end? Isn't it beautiful? Bang. Okay, I love you guys. Thank you for being with us, and I'm excited for next week to work on the why for you and for me. Who knows what my next will be, all right? Thank you so much. Have an awesome weekend. Bye-bye, everyone.